0: As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
1: Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt.
0: Until you tried it on.
2: Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com.
1: Welcome to the Times. To find out more, head to thetimes.co.uk.
3: Every goal, every game, everywhere. The Times and the Sunday Times, now with Goals.
4: I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and in the studio this week, I'm particularly excited because I am joined by James Scowcroft, who made the long trip in from Suffolk, Alison Rudd, and joining us remotely from somewhere in Greater Manchester, it's James Ducker. This week, the debate focuses on uh, on Ducker's Lost Talent series, and if you haven't checked it out, please go online and do so. It's uh, it's quite eye-opening and thought-provoking. But first, there's obviously only one thing to talk about, the FA Cup.
3: Well, the Yates might take it down towards the corner flag. He had other ideas. He's stead, and Yates! It's four! Mark Yates seals it for Bradford. What a shock! One of the great FA Cup stories. Chelsea beaten in 90 minutes for the first time at home in this competition for 12 years, having been 2-0 up and against a side from League 1.
4: I did this sort of free form rather than looking at, at two games because obviously Chelsea and City, I suppose, were the biggest eye-openers, but there was just so much packed into, into this weekend. Uh, if you look, the, the top three teams in the Premier League all lost to uh, uh, opposition further down the food chain. SCOE's mates at, at United... Were held by, by by Cambridge United, which is rather absurd. That's a good result, that. Exactly, Spurs I think are sixth, are, uh, or, or or fifth, or sixth. They lost Arsenal. They I don't say they squeaked it, but it was close. So, what we're seeing is this remarkable, remarkable weekend. So I'm going to go straight to you, James, because you're the wise one here. Is this randomness or is this magic of the FA Cup?
3: I think it's ra- I think it's random. I think it's totally random and I think when that sort of level of randomness sort of conspires together on one day then it then there is an element of sort of the magical about it. I, I don't I don't think you can quantify what happened. I, I don't think we can reasonably sort of explain why all of that happened on a single day. I just think I just think sometimes you get extraordinary days like this I and mean, it so happened to be in the FA Cup this this weekend, but you, you know, you, you do get it on sort of weekends like this in particular. Football is one of the most extraordinary, captivating sports. So just I think what, where, what separates it is that you just don't tend to get in other sports this level of sort of shocks. You know, also well, this sort of scale and level of shocks in one go.
4: It's, um... Well, I, well the, uh, our colleagues at Sunday Times called it the greatest day in FA Cup history, and I think certainly for shock value it, it, it may well have been. Scully, so there's, there's also the fact, as um, as your pal howe pointed out on Friday, that it is a low-scoring game and it's difficult to score a goal and if you get a bunch of able-bodied men, even if they're generally not very good, mm-hmm. like Cambridge United are on paper, and you get them to go stand in the penalty box, as they allegedly did in Van Gaal world uh, against United, you still need to break them down. And you can score one goal in the first minute and they all come forward and you score ten, or you can not score the entire time, as has happened to United.
5: You know, if you take Cambridge as an example, tactically now we're seeing a, an era of people that can just shut out their goal, you know, just defending numbers, defending areas where goals are scored and created and, and make it unbelievably hard for the opposition. Um, Van
4: howe says it's easy... To do what? To defend...
5: I think it is to a certain point. Yeah, if, you, if you're organised, the players are fitter than they've never been. So you, you probably haven't got that advantage that they probably had 20 years ago. I was at the Cambridge game, and you know the the, the organisation Cambridge has was absolutely superb. I don't, I don't think really many people have picked up on this. And I think also that, you know a lot of people say oh the gap's bigger than it's ever been. I Actually, disagree with that. I think if you look at the quality, if you go back to the Chelsea Bradford, if you look at the quality of che- uh, Bradford's goals, you know for a, a League One team, I think that has to be. Uh, creditable as well so you know i think it also uh, it's a one-off as well there One isn't, off i don't weekend.
2: think there's a common denominator over no. that saturday to be honest i think i think cambridge is an aberration because they were very happy to take the replay they need it financially you know and it is perfectly possible on a rough pitch well, at did. home to decide We're going for nil-nil, and to achieve that, and have no other objective I'm
5: sure, James, you'll say with with Man City. Sorry, Man City in the last this this season and last season have come very close to going out against Championship sides, haven't they?
3: Yeah, I mean they came they came close in the previous round against Sheffield Wednesday
5: and Watford last year. They 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 were were two nil down.
3: Watford last year, and then obviously they did end up going out to a Championship side in Wigan. What well, what I what I think's particularly interesting about the say the, the three of the biggest results this weekend Bradford, Middlesbrough, and uh, the Cambridge games was that 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 they came against opposition, all of whom fielded pretty strong sides, and all of whose managers treat the FA Cup very seriously. You know, Mourinho could never be a, 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 a accused of of not treating it with. Respect. Okay, sorry, 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 Ducker, Ducker,
4: Ducker, Ducker, Ducker. We're going to get into Mourinho in a minute, but I disagree with you so strongly that I have to speak up on this. So if you want to have this out, have it now. Please tell me how it is, how is it, how it's possible that seven of the 11 that Mourinho sent out have started between them 13 league games this season. Tell me how Christensen and Drogba and, and Loic Remy on the wing. And and all this jazz is is an example of what you're saying.
3: I would agree if there were kids who didn't have a substantial amount of football experience behind them. But that players like Remy and Drogba that you mentioned got so many games behind them. You know they're, they're not they're not kids or inexperienced sort of pups. You know that they are very very seasoned experienced professionals, and I think Mourinho will look to that side and thought. That is absolutely more than capable of beating a League One side. I think you know there's a difference when you might get sides lower down the Premier League who don't have anything like the sort of squad strength that the top three do, that those those three sides I mentioned do, uh, and, and then they start playing you know the 17, 18 year old kids or or the guy who who plays once every three months or you know the you know squad man and the journeyman. I think it's totally different at the, at the sides at the top. And I looked at that Chelsea side, and I, I agree, obviously, they don't all play every week, but I thought both before and after the result, what, that, that side was a strong side and it's more than good enough to, to go out. And, and absolutely the sides that Van Hal and Pellegrini field, they were both very, very strong.
4: Well, if, if these guys are so good, why does Mourinho take no chances in, in the Premier League and in the Champions League? why does he never play these people because he, he he clearly doesn't he he doesn't rotate much he believes in in the benefits of chemistry and whatever and it looks to me like when you have that that many guys in there and I think except for Czech, and obviously the, the three starters who played, the other guys looked like they'd never really played together because they haven't.
2: Well, that's, this is You're being wise after the event a bit. I mean, I, apart from Christensen, who's, and that was his home debut, and he's 18, and he, he looked a little bit startled by it all, to be honest, and he was the weak link. But otherwise, that defence, people are saying that Zuma and Cahill are the centre-back pairing of, of the near future. Zuma has had rave reviews when he's... Do you know how many league. games he started yeah, this year? Yeah, but he's. Year? But you, where do you? St- you've got a. He has played. He has no, no, played listen, before I, and not, played well. Listen, I'm not. He's I'll, not bringing in a, a wholesale change in defense. Check people. Some people still think Check's the better keeper at Chelsea.
4: Check had to start because Courtois presumably still has the, the dodgy finger. No, he's played since he broke his foot. But, <laughs> but, but but I think that As
2: Equator, one of the one of the greatest Piliqueta's defenders a in the yes, Premier yeah. League. Yes, yeah,
4: Kale's great too. These guys are starters, Alison, So is Oscar. What I'm driving at though is you can't have it both ways. You can't come out on Friday and talk about how this is just as important as all the other ones and, and then go, and I think, and put out a team like that. It's just not yes, really you intellectually can, you honest. you can,
2: Gab, because in theory, Bradford, they're in League One and those players he picked... They ought to be more than capable of handling a League 1 team. The fact that be. they didn't means you can now say things like, oh, Reno really doesn't take the FA Cup seriously because look at the team he put out. He put out a team that for a short period, short periods in that match, played very beautiful football, very nice goals. They were quite imperious for five-minute stretches. They just did not realise quite how good a the Bradford team would be, their approach would be and also that the, the impact that six those 6,000 fans had You, you it, the, Mourinho really... was gazing at the Bradford fans in complete well, adoration I... it, they, it was a whole set of circumstances yeah, with hindsight, he probably should have put out the very, very best team he no, could have. No,
4: he shouldn't, I mean I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that he should, I'm just saying that we need to be a little bit more grown up about this because it's obvious to me that Leaving aside the personnel, like you said, like you yourself said, Alison, you know they, they didn't realize Bradford were going to be so good. They didn't realize Bradford's strengths, and that also tells me that they didn't necessarily prepare for this. They would have the way they're going to prepare for Manchester City. next Mourinho weekend.
2: said they did. They did exactly the same
3: preparation.
4: Well, exactly be, the same power true. points. Then it must be true. it must be true.
2: But Bradford d- didn't don't normally play quite that well.
3: There has to be a degree of pragmatism about it. I mean, next week he's got. Liverpool in the second leg of the League Cup, and he's got City on the Saturday, and uh, 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 and you know that I, I think even if it had been a league game, there might have been more changes than there ordinarily are in a in a Mourinho side. I, 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 I think that you know he's he has to take some sort of look at what what's following the, the next week accept that that's quite an exceptional week a second leg semi-final and and a, and a sort of top of the table title clash
4: just for the record i don't mind the pragmatism at all in fact i think he's doing the right thing because that team should have should knock them out i don't like this going the day before and talking and, and and you know mocking other people who get knocked out and say let's take the positives the way he did and then going out and saying we want to win everything because clearly you're being pragmatic yourself when you put your lineup out there. That's the one thing which just kind of bugs me about this. One of the other things that really bugs me about this is um, – and United got this so much on Saturday. When newspaper editors, thinking they're really clever, they make these graphics and they tell you, ooh, United's squad cost you know $800 billion, and uh, United's players earn this much. And it would take the entire city of Cambridge 50 years to make as much as James Wilson does in a week. I find it incredibly stupid because the simple reason, James, you were a Premier League footballer and at some point you probably played against players who were making, say, a third as much as you, right? Yeah. Those players weren't, you weren't three times better than those guys. There's an economic factor which is the reason why United players earn what they earn. It's not because a United player on hundred grand a week is going to be ten times better than a championship player on ten grand a week. It's that <laughs> it's that United make more money, have more money, so they pay their people their people more. Exactly, I, and,
5: and the bottom line is, Gab, that both sets of uh, players are both full-time. They'll both train. They'll both do similar training methods. Uh, Manchester United might have plusher surroundings, but the, the training will be similar. The coaching will be very similar as well. So, you
4: mean you weren't better when you were making more money? weren't better in what way as a footballer
5: oh you are better and I think you could even see although it was a nil nil draw you could see Manchester United have had 75% possession which is you know in a, in a game of football a lot of dominance but like I say there's two different styles two different sets of tactics as well so you know I, I agree with you all of a sudden there's this sort of you know 200 million pound team has failed to beat a team of free transfers you know that's not really breaking the game down at all is it it
3: was a very worst sort of 75% possession though.
5: James, oh, w- without doubt, that that's you know, and you have to probably criticise Van Gaal for that. But you also have to give uh, a lot of credit to Cambridge, James. The way they set up and the game plan they had, I thought they were very good. And I think what teams are doing now, you know, I think if you stop Michael Carrick at Manchester United at the moment, you stop any kind of forward passing or. Uh, and I, I just thought Cambridge did very, very well, James. I don't think you could take I, anything away. I think away. Uh,
3: just a quick point on this: Carrick has is, is fallen off a cliff. Really, his form since Christmas. What I think is really interesting is I remember in the summer with Van Gaal, he was talking about how he doesn't want players to play with intuition. He basically thinks that uh, it can be counterproductive. And I, and I think now watching United, they they all look so robotic. They look like players who have basically been told to play without intuition, without flair. And at times that, that team, I watch it and I just think they need players to do something off the cuff. How, how long are... United fans going to have to wait before their robotic actually turns in. Well, I,
5: I, I think if it happens next season, James, I think there'll be serious calls for you know Van Gaal to either sort it out or, or maybe get out. I think Alan Shearer makes a good point in his column today that he's coached a flare at Manchester United, and you know it's, it's very hard to, to disagree with that.
4: Actually, Ducker, that, that's a really interesting point because obviously that's been an accusation that some people have leveled at Van Gaal his entire career, which is he. He's very system oriented, and it's a very, it's a very attacking system. It's a very entertaining system when it works, but there are some individuals who claim to have been stifled by obviously going right back to the days of of Rivaldo and, and whatnot at, at Barcelona. Hey, do, is this something that you think that the United players are are feeling, or is it just something that you're kind of observing?
3: Speaking to players like Daly Blind and Carrick, who I think are examples who, who might fit into that system and adapt quicker to it. They're, they've not been overly critical, but I, I'd be very interested to hear what someone like um, Di Maria or, or Matt sort of truly thinks about it, who who are, you know, more flair players, who, who do like to do things more instinctively and off the cup. I, mean, I think Matt has been a great example of a, of a player who just looks so robotic, you know, just so different from the player that we saw under Benitez at Chelsea, could probably count two or three good performances in about 25-30 this season, She's quite alarming.
4: United are obviously still in the competition. Manchester City are not um, having lost to Middlesbrough. Inevitably, when stuff like this happens, and, and I think to some degree, obviously, it's surprising City losing at home when you talked about it being lower league opposition. Though, to be fair, Middlesbrough are about as close to the Premier League as you can get. Aren't they second in the, uh, in, in the championship? They are, and
5: they're a very, very good football and side as well.
4: Let you take that into account, but people are going to talk about the trip to Abu Dhabi. So I'm hoping, Ducker, you can tell us a little bit more about this warm-weather training that this friendly they had against Hamburg. Is it something that was planned? Is it something to... To raise money and qualify for and, and help with financial fair play, what was the what was the logic behind it?
3: You know, they've done they've done this before as United have as other clubs have. It was sort of well, well arranged. It'd be arranged for weeks and weeks and weeks. They they flew out after the Arsenal game, played a friendly over uh, uh, over there against Hamburg on the Wednesday. There there, there 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 seems to be a sort of commitment to go to Abu Dhabi, obviously where their their ownership are based. Uh, What's interesting is that Pellegrini had the option to fly back on Thursday late afternoon, early evening, and a lot's been made that the sort of decision to come back on Friday night was uh, sort of enforced on him, when, when actually he had the option to come back but wanted another training session in the sun on the Friday morning. Uh, and was happy for them to arrive back at sort of 7, 8pm on the Friday evening. A- any sort of notion that there's an edict down from the ownership or up above was just absolutely erroneous. It, th- it was an unnecessary risk. It, it certainly wasn't the sole reason why uh, City lost on Saturday. There were, there were a multitude of factors there. But it was a, a risk that they did not, did not need to take. And, and I asked Pellegrini afterwards, I asked him that question, would you have done this? If the game had been Chelsea, and it was very interesting to me that he wouldn't answer, he wouldn't, it was a straightforward yes or no, and he basically said, I'd, I, "I, you know, I don't need to to answer that. It's not. Uh, it wasn't the Chelsea game, and it's not relevant. It's not relevant."
5: Just, just to but, go back, uh, spoke about it a couple of minutes ago. Do you not think Man City have got a little bit of an Achilles heel when it comes to? lower sides in League Cup, even the Champions League sometimes, like I say, there's been a little bit of a pattern over the last couple of years with lower league sides in the FA Cup, they've stumbled through a few and also in the Champions League against lower teams that you expect them to win you know, I know we're, we're making this Abu Dhabi trip into a little bit and I agree, coming back on a Friday I think is, is awful preparation but something just not quite right there, is there?
3: No, there's not, but I wouldn't even just say it's sort of lower league I think, I think um Certain opposition that they've struggled with all yeah. all season. I think there's a there's a, a couple of points. I think the left side's often been an issue. the cliche and uh, Kolarov can be uh, very good going forward, but um, defensively, I think both are reliability and they leave a lot of space uh, behind them. And I think one of the things is David Silva's been moved inside quite a bit more of late, played more centrally, and it's actually benefited. The left side, because when he when Torres there and Silva, Silva stationed on the left, he spends so much time drifting inside that there's a lot of space to exploit down that side. When you get a team that sort of play sort of in between the lines very well behind the sort of a, a sole centre forward, City have struggled with, uh, and, and Middlesbrough did that to excellent effect.
4: What I loved, loved about the City game is not City related, that turn that that Tomlin did when when he hit the post. If Messi does it or somebody more box office it gets replayed endlessly on YouTube
2: I hope they replay it endlessly in the dressing room because that that single move they should do watch it again and again to prove to themselves they they should be in the Premier League and every time they go out for a league match they should be playing that say look how look how good you are
3: single best bit of skill I have seen from any player all season are
2: you
4: serious?
3: yeah it was absolutely brilliant honestly I mean I, I, I,
4: better I than any was, player all season well I could, like, enjoy that much, but it was pretty good
3: it was honestly gab honestly I, it was one of those where I know you obviously can watch it back and back and back, but watching it live in real time I, I, it was just we all sort of looked at each other in the press box, couldn't actually believe what we were seeing, and the best bit was the uh, company's reaction just literally. <laughs> It was, you know, he liked the phrase bamboozled or sort of dazed and confused. He absolutely was. He didn't know where he was.
4: Do you, uh, James, I want to ask you about this since you've, you've probably you've done stuff like this. Maybe not that often in games, but you, I'm sure you, you, know, you know how it's done. Do, do, you, do you blame company for that or is it just all on, on the striker? And what does it take to, to attempt that? How often did you attempt that?
5: Very, very, very rarely, if ever I did. No, it's a fantastic bit. So you just feel for him that he didn't score and it comes off the post. I think he actually, and I didn't see the game live, Sort of highlights. He actually did a sort of back heel where he plays it into the centre forward in the first half, James, is not he? Where he takes out two or three... Man City midfield players which yeah, was equally yeah. as good. I've seen a lad the last two or three seasons and I think one day he should get into the Premier League but no I don't think you can really blame Company. I think Company had an off day but you have to give credit where credit's due.
4: So, Can you tell us how hard it is to do that at a, a pace well, it, and, or it, to, do you think of attempting it?
5: Listen if you go out on a training pitch and you've got nobody near you it's not hard at all you can do it but to do it on that stage in real time When all of a sudden You know The game is probably Three times quicker Than any training ground Session or, or Move or practice And for it to come off Takes a lot A lot of uh, I wouldn't say Courage as a word But obviously
4: Self-belief Liverpool Of course Were, were held uh, As well by Bolton But I watched Brendan Rodgers Afterwards And incidentally This is a, basically An old rule If you've got Four people In a camera shot Or, or a photograph and you're one of the little guys, you don't want to be in the middle. Just as if you're one of the freakishly tall people, you don't want to be at the end. He so looked absolutely tiny on, uh, on, on my TV screen. It was just by the by. Uh, just something he might... He cares about his image, something he might want to take into account. Alison, he was... He was
0: VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen.
5: VoiceOver on settings.
0: So you can navigate it just by listening.
5: Books. Contacts. Calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11.
0: And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone.
1: Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns so you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-1, only from Rust-Oleum.
4: Very, very bullish about Liverpool's performance against Bolton. You know, or what, like 24 places beneath them, something like that, or 20 places beneath them? Do, do you share his um, positivity?
2: I don't. Well, I think that's just the way he's going at us at the moment. I don't think Liverpool are. They played well against um, Chelsea in the first leg of the semi-final of the League Cup. Other than that, over the past couple of months, Liverpool's performances have been a little on the drab and underwhelming side, and they've they've been quite lucky to to to, to get as many points in the league as they have over the recent weeks. But that's that's what Brendan Rodgers does. He 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 decides he's in the the groove of of bigging up the team and. Uh, it was it was a pretty average performance and I don't I, I mean you know objectively and if he was being completely honest I don't I don't think he would have thought it was a nil-nil at Anfield Bolton Bolton looked like they were giving everything but weren't quite good enough that, that's the sort of team you can pick off surely
4: In our debate section we won't actually debate much because I would hope that we're all in agreement but it was a powerful series on, on lost talent in which James Scowcroft you contributed but was written by by Ducker. Can you just give us a, a brief outline of uh, of what you were trying to do and and, and what this is all about and, and what you found?
3: In sort of mid-November the University of Teesside got in touch with some research that they've done looking at the psychological distress that can be caused among 15 to 18 year olds who are released by football clubs, i.e. before they get a scholarship or before they get a professional contract. And this sort of the subject has been of great interest to me for a long time and, and, and all the more so now I've got sort of young lads who are starting to play football themselves. And I just thought it would be a very good peg for a, a broader sort of look at what the game is doing to ensure that those who don't make it don't just become lost causes, that they have the sort of life skills and qualification and help and support to go on and do something else. I think one of the obviously big issues is that a lot, if not necessarily, becoming delinquents or that they, they end up just becoming very disillusioned and end up in dead end jobs or not doing a great deal.
4: James Scowcroft here, because of course he he features in your in your piece quite movingly. Uh, it's a story about a guy you a guy you played with. You were chosen ahead of him. Can you fill us in on what what happened next?
5: Yeah, you know, there, there's there's several ones. It, it was. Um, yeah you know, it 's probably my best friend at the time, and we were fifteen sixteen I was taken on ipswich he wasn 't and I believe probably two and a half years later uh, my friend died of a of a heart attack that was never really explained really, but obviously his life went one way, mine went the other, and yeah, we, we lost contact really, and sort of the next time. You know, caught up with his family. It was at his funeral, and I just made my debut. You know, and I can remember it. It strikes me quite hard, really, because it was the end of the season. It was my breakthrough season in professional football, and you know, I was at this lad's uh, funeral. And you just think, if he had got the chance, you know, would life have been different for him?
4: Ducker, it, it, it strikes me. I mean, hearing this, that when would when, when people deal with the with the disappointment or or the difficulties of quote unquote rejection, uh, football-wise, a lot of it maybe has to do with with the expectations that they have as 15 year olds of, of making it as a professional, but also perhaps of the fact that you sacrifice so much to go in and, and try to play football. And so maybe you neglect your studies, maybe you, know, you don't really think that you might need to go do something else in your life. Is, is that what you found?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, what was quite interesting on, on that point, Gab, was there was a, um, a guy I call Michael Hazeldean, who um, who had got a scholarship at Wigan Athletic but didn't get offered a pro contract. But his parents had sort of drummed into him the importance of education. It helped that he was bright and felt that there was very much a need for a plan B. Uh, and he ended up studying medicine at Edinburgh. What he What he very interestingly said was that there were players there that, even if the club hammered into them the importance of of having a plan B, having something to fall back on, a lot of them were of the view: Well, you know, what will my coaches think if I if I if I you know if I if I do that? What will my fellow players think if I try and have a plan B in place? Will they think I'm less committed? Will they think I, I'm I'm less confident? Will they think that I've got doubts in my mind as to whether I'll I'll make it? And he said there was. Interestingly, among his group, some of them opted not for a Plan B because they were concerned about how it might be perceived, among others, if the support network, the help network isn't in place, then that's where the game is, um, is failing. And, and a lot of the independent bodies that I spoke to who were, who were there to try and help pick up those that get rejected have found great resistance from the authorities.
2: James, the second biggest killer of, of um, young adult males is suicide after incidents on the roads. Given that that's a fact, and it indicates that young men, sort of between the ages of 16 and 20, are prone to black and white view of the world and to reacting really negatively to bad things that might happen to them. There is... That, that that's a health that's a proper government health issue and it shouldn't be allowed that an organization like a football club exists that can take on a kid as young as six years old and create a situation which is as you've indicated there is a there is a, a sense that unless you give it everything you're not going to get there anyway they want to sh- they want to see that you, you're desperate for this Unless you can have in parallel with that attitude a proper look at the welfare of the mental health of everyone going through that system, that system shouldn't be allowed but to exist. It, it's it's well, like well, saying well, it's well, like the saying they're chim they're going different up different chimneys different. and we're not looking at asbestosis. It's it's but it's, it's, I, it's I, I the I modern equivalent of of sending children down the mine.
3: Effectively, what Alison's saying is that there sort of needs to be some national care standard almost in place. And I can't really say too much, but there are people who are pushing to have that implemented within the structure of... of, uh, Why can't you say too much?
4: What is it, like a secret? uh,
3: Because I'm going to be writing about it in the next couple of
4: weeks. Alison, the point you made, though, yeah, it it is an issue. It's a public health issue. I find, in my experience, having spoken to people about this, there is a bit of a trade-off that if you have an FA that is judged by how well England do in the World Cup, which is what these these freaking numpties judge English football on, and they judge English coaching on, they judge English system on, so many of them. And we in the media are guilty of this as our ex-pros, as our governing bodies. I think there's clearly a trade-off between a system that allows young men to, to play football to a competitive level and have a balanced, well-adjusted career and learn a trade and, and whatever else, and a system that generates the kind of tough, single-minded, sort of street-fighting, uber-confident people, who then become outstanding footballers. Well, I and think, I think, I it's think been, we're moving been, on from that, because but,
2: there are clubs that have already proven that you can take a more paternalistic attitude and be successful at youth level. Right, and but, they're, but they're in the minority. Through. Yeah, but they're, they're there as, they're there as the, the prototypes. I'm thinking of Southampton and Fulham in particular, where you do find the parents who start to worry, and I agree with you, James, completely, that that the parents take ultimate responsibility here and there they're often very neglectful in the way they push their kids down dream paths that aren't going to come true it's ridiculous but there are an increasing number of parents who reject one academy that they think sounds more glamorous than for example fulham and then they go to fulham because they, they they get what they get there is just is just is just more r- realistic more caring and yet ultimately you're more likely to get a, a career if you go but through the youth system. You need enlightened. You, are in a lot of you need enlightened
4: clubs. parents for that, and parents who aren't going to go and make a decision based on which agent's going to slip them slip them some cash to send their kid to to, to which club. And that's part of it, James. I, I want to get your perspective on this because I get on board what what was said about you know the disappointment of not making it. But I'm wondering when you were 16 and, and you know you had your class of people just signed the contract. I, I'm assuming there were there were what like twelve, fifteen of you.
5: Yeah, there, I think there was eight. I think they do. It was basically eight that go into it. So it's eight. You have a youth team. It's based on two years. You have sixteen right. players. So out of those
4: sixteen, if you can think back to when you were that age, yeah, did you ever look around and say like, all right, how many of us are going to make it? From what I've heard of, of people who work with youth coaches, and you're one yourself, so you yeah. can set me straight if I'm wrong. Generally, looking at sixteen, you're looking even at that age. You know, you, you play the percentages and you kind of know that maybe out of a group of 16 kids, there's going to be half who really have no shot whatsoever.
5: No, it's, it's, it's worse than that. I think if you go back one step, so we're talking at 15, I think 95, 98% of 15, 16-year-olds will not be at a professional football club past 21.
4: No, no, but I'm talking about did you what you know at the time. No, because you're young and you, you know no different. You don't, right, you but don't your really coaches know about know. life. But your um, coaches know, right? I mean, you work with kids now, right? You, you, you might, well, I don't want to put you in a bad position, there, but, uh, but at 16 anyway, when you were playing, I mean, you must have known that, look, I'm a lot better than Bob and Joe and so on, by, as evidenced by the fact that you became a, a professional. And you probably, and if you realize this, I'm assuming your coaches realize that, you know, maybe that there was half the people on your team who clearly were never going to really play, have a career to sustain themselves in professional football.
5: Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's more than half.
4: So if the clubs know this, and if they knew this at an, at a place like Ipswich, which is a very good academy and a very good track record, I'm just wondering to what degree some clubs are just kind of jerking people's chains around yeah. by, by putting them on contracts, and I'm talking after the age of 16, when they know these people are just never going to make it.
5: In a nutshell, it's scandalous what happens really. If, if if you look at the the wider picture, which we are doing here, you know, and and I I see it at the moment, and then I see it with kids that I coach, and we and we've got a fantastic academy at Ipswich. When you go in, when you leave school, and it's not so much the club's fault now, because everyone's following this E Triple P, and this E Triple P has been set up for the very, very, very elite one percent. You know, who might go on and represent England and possibly win a, a World Cup one day, but the 99 percent, there is nowhere near enough in place to, to set these boys up when they do fail, which unfortunately they are, you know, like somebody said, I think it was a conversation with me and Jane, if this was a university, it would be shut down. You know, because the pass rate is it. You know, Alison made a, a a story about going up chimneys, and it's it's not a million miles away from the truth, really. If if you looked at it in in a certain way, and what's expected, and the workload that's put onto some of these kids as well, you'd think, hold on a minute, you know, this, this is wrong. So, I'm glad James has brought it up, and it's a fantastic piece he did, and hopefully something will come out of it because something needs to be done.
3: I think I think one of the just uh, talk James is saying one of the contentious issues, and there's no easy answer here, is. Is the age with which clubs can now sign players? They can spend, you know, the fifth, sixth, seventh years in development centres, and then they can actually sign for a club and they're under nine year. And you might have a scenario where a player is is at one club in one very very small environment from say eight, eight to eighteen, gets a scholarship, and then doesn't get a professional contract. And one of the things that sort of put to me was that. You can get you can you can try and educate the kid all you want. you can try and give him all the life skills he wants, but if he's all he's known is a very small bubble for a decade, and then suddenly right. he's rejected and he's sent out into a world that is pretty alien to him that that is particularly damaging and,
4: and sorry, James, uh, if I jump in here, but don't uh, these people go to school i mean like it's not like they just live at the training ground from the age of eight, right.
3: Uh, they, well, they don't just live at the training ground, but uh, you'd be amazed, Gab, at the, the the amount of time that they spend there. They might be training.
4: Aren't there days. rules governing that? Like limiting the amount of hours that an 8 year biggest can problem,
5: Sorry, Gab. The biggest problem is when they leave school at 16. So instead of going on to A-levels or, or they go to college, they come into a youth team they call it a scholarship now, and they go to college one day a week, one and a half days a week it is, and I think if you look at it, I think 90% of them won't make it as a professional footballer. It should almost be reversed. It should almost be a day and a half or two days a week football, and the rest should be education.
3: The game's counterpoint to this is that because school football, local club football, has been decimated down the years, you know, PE timetables have been Drastically cut back in playing fields sold off and everything is that the clubs have almost had to step in to fill a void to fill this vacuum that has sort of been created over a, a, a number of years.
5: They almost had it right with with Lillishaw in the in the 80s 90s where they went to Shropshire they they stayed there they got expert training. This was. The elite in every age I think it was 15s and 16s your last two school years plus they went to a very good school there as well so the, the education was good and also the players that came out of that system there was a lot of players that came out of that system as well so you know if you look in academies now and this is a guess but I don't think I'm a million miles away I think there's is it between six and seven thousand players, James, in the e P at the moment? I think there's about there's about eight thousand
4: academy players. Yeah. So can we point out E-Triple P is the elite player performance? Yeah, class. this is
5: what all the clubs are having to follow at the moment. You can't have eight thousand elite players.
4: I think ultimately this is much uh, a political issue about what you want to do with your young men as it is a football issue. And um, I just hope that people take a long, hard look at it, and hopefully James's work here can uh, can help precipitate that. Right. How about some quick hits? Arsenal have picked up that centre back we were all going on about, Gabriel Paulista, and who no doubt will be called Paulista by people when that's not actually his name, uh, is on his way over from Espanol, according to Arsene Wenger himself. Alison, he's an uncapped Brazilian, but apparently he'll get his work permit. Do you understand the work permit rules better than I do?
2: The rules are really easy. If, if you're not from the EU, you have to you have to feature heavily for your for your international team. The, the reason. It becomes complicated is there is a subjective element which is if you don't fulfill the criteria you can start arguing if you want to buy a player oh but he's, he's, he's just misunderstood and he's incredibly talented and and he needs to come to the premier league anyway and once you allow that crack in the door then it's not a rule at all
5: so just on gabba that there's a rule just about to come in you can now come over on an investor permit So if you're going to earn a substantial amount of money, you can actually get in on that permit as well.
4: Louis van Gaal wasn't quite caught up in cup magic on Friday. He blamed the pitch and the referee for Manchester United's draw at Cambridge United. Docker, uh, why was he so grumpy?
3: Well, I think deep down he knows his team have been played very badly and been embarrassed by a side many divisions below them. Um, I think it's always quite a desperate set of circumstances when you got the manager of Manchester United blaming the pitch and the referee for a draw at Cambridge.
4: Arsene Wenger says that if you love football, you love Thomas Rosicki. I certainly uh, liked what he did, but Phil Neville found his no-look pass. Uh, in fact, he attempted two of them uh, less appealing. In fact, Phil said on Match of the Day that if somebody did that in a game he was playing in, he would have two-footed him first, I thought he was joking, but then he went back and he repeated it again. I'm sure this is all to do with the footballer's code. So, James, since you are part of the secret fraternity, can you please shed some light and tell us, have you ever two-footed and nutted an opponent for, for doing something like that?
5: Uh, no, I haven't, and I'm not part of the Phil Neville code either. So, um, I found it astonishing in his comments last night on Match Day, which I actually think he came out on Twitter early and said, oh, what a fantastic ability by Rzitzki to look one way and pass the other way, I, I do believe. So... Uh, I find it baffling in his comments last night. So I
2: thought he was going to criticize Riziki for doing the one look one way, play the other for the fact that he's got floppy hair. And when you do that, you look like you're a dog trying no. to get the rain <laughs> off your fur. But no, he actually said it was something he felt was disgraceful. Well, that,
5: that'd be good at coaching kids. When someone does that, can you go over and two foot him,
4: please? What? Well, Great example. <laughs> that was hilarious. Well, we, we all say things we regret. Seth Blatter invites the world to rally behind him, and I quote. Football is a team sport. Let's go together with the team. Join, join. Football is a unity. Allison, I'll let you comment.
2: Uh, well, we're going to hear a, lo- a lot more uh, such rallying cries from join, Blatter. Join, join. <laughs> but but, but this—I mean—are we surprised? I mean, this is this is how Blatter will will get re-elected because. He'll just say, look at the bigger picture, not the minor little things like corruption and bribery. Let's just look at the big picture that football's beautiful, and I've, I've um, extended it to all far reaches of the globe. So you will see these broad join-join type speeches.
4: Join-join. Football is a unity. Matthew Syed appreciates the magic of the FA Cup, but says that to him, the league is, and always has been, even in the pre-Premier League era, far more magical. And he flags up one problem with early cup upsets, uh, which is that once the big clubs go out, you get a bunch of clubs that we all say we want to watch, but we don't really want to watch. And of course, in 2008, we had Portsmouth against West Brom and Cardiff versus Barnsley as our semifinals, which no doubt was riveting if you're Avram Grant. Which side are you on, Ducker? Are, are you, would you be bothered if we had semifinals of uh, uh, a comparable glamour?
3: No, I, I don't really understand why we have to take sides. I don't think it's at all about that i think
4: what's more magical siya took sides you can take sides
3: i don't i don't want to take sides (laughs) you don't need to take sides because we have both if it was one or the other then that would be that would be a debate we don't have to take sides we've got the fa cup and it and, and and when we have weekends like like this in particular it's brilliant and the same can be said for for the league games i mean i you know that Ports that 2008 season, Portsmouth, West Brom, and Cardiff, Barnsley. What what was exceptional circumstances? We don't often get that, and I don't really understand why everyone was moaning at the time about it. I, 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 certainly, in the run up to that, and the years up to that, we'd be moaning that we'd had this Chelsea, Liverpool, United, Arsenal dominate in the FA Cup. I don't think we need to take sides.
4: Fabian Delph has signed a long-term contract at Villa, and yes, I am scratching the bottom of the barrel for quick hits. James, it could just be a way for the club to get a higher fee if and when they sell him. But where do you stand on the Villa midfielder? In fact, tell me, which Premier League sides would he not get into? Um,
5: well, I don't think he'd get into the top two, would he? Probably not Arsenal at the moment. Um,
4: United? Delph or Blint? You're torn, aren't you?
5: Yeah, let's not go there. Um, but I do actually think he's, he's, he's a decent player, and I think he's, he's improved recently. You look at a Tottenham. Possibly be in Everton or, or someone's, you know, Everton are, are down the table. But maybe that Southampton, that sort of sixth to ninth.
2: Gab, I have a question for you. Ronaldo was sent off this weekend. What was behind his hissy fit?
4: I really don't know. Real Madrid were, were, were absolutely uh, horrible. Um, in their game, they were playing very badly. And he just he just snapped. I mean, uh, first he tried to hit Crespo, not Hernan, but another guy named Crespo. Then he managed to hit and kick Edimar, another opponent. He apologized afterwards on social media and was no doubt very heartfelt. It's interesting now because he could face a, a three-match ban, which means that he would miss the Atletico Madrid game. And um, I think somebody pointed out that this is the ninth red card of his career. But he got four of those with United, which I didn't remember him getting sent off that many times. But I guess he did. Right. That's all we've got time for this week. Do go back and check uh, Matt Dickinson's uh, two-part series on match officials. And if you haven't subscribed on iTunes and Player FM for Android, please do so. Many thanks to my guests today, Alison Rudd, James Scowcroft, and James Ducker. And again, I invite you to go back and check out uh, James's two-part series on, on Lost Talent. Uh, you can check out thetimes.co.uk on your digital device, and members will get exclusive football, rugby, and cricket highlights free as part of your subscription. Uh, if you're not a member yet, take our one-pound digital trial today. Just search TimeSport online. See you all, same place, same time, next week. Bye-bye.
0: Your
3: subscription to the Times and the Sunday Times now comes with access to every Barclays Premier League goal. Refresh your app, choose your team, accept notification, and you're away.
1: Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk.
0: VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver
5: on, settings.
0: So you can navigate it just by listening.
5: Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11.
0: And get on with your day.
1: Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.